can become the least hospitable. Hospitable. I want to make sure I say the word right. Um, that in essence, that the world actually rewards selfishness, but God rewards selflessness. And I wanted to kind of start with kind of noting the symptoms of the rich and the internal um, mechanisms that we think and we feel towards money, and then taking a look at Jesus and the way that he showed hospitality and generosity, and then looking at his internal workings of how he viewed wealth, because he is actually the wealthiest of all the universe, and he carried his wealth well before the Lord. And so I wanted to take a look at both of those things. So um, taking a look at the symptoms of the rich, uh, if we could go to the first slide. Um, symptoms of the rich. And this is not a blanket about everything. I think it's totally possible to be wealthy and holy. Um, I think we saw it in David. Um, even in some ways, we saw it in Solomon at certain times. But um, here's kind of like almost a, uh, a di- doctor diagnosis. Like, how do we know that wealth has gotten to us? Okay. How do we, how do we know? I think it's, it's hard to compare ourselves to the next person because what if the next person next to you is also sick? <laughs> you know, what if they have the, uh, what the, they call the, the dragon syndrome uh, of like love of money and wealth? How do you know? Uh, we can't compare ourselves to those who live in um, Up Arlington. like we just can't we can't look at that how do we know that wealth has gotten to us and is a hindering block and idolatry Um, I think wealth uh, causes us to be very self-focused pride excess and idleness actually if you look at Ezekiel 1549 surprisingly the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah if you ask most people who've read the story they think that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was sexual immorality. That was just a fruit, right? And we have to recognize that in today's society, when we see the LGBTQ movement, when we see sexual immorality flourish, that's just a fruit. That God would actually look at our nations of the West and actually say, that's not the main issue. That the main issue is underneath. That it says in Ezekiel 15, 49, behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness. And she did not strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. In essence, she was not hospitable. She didn't reach out, go out of her way to care for them. Right. Um, so it's interesting to, to see that, in essence, the, the issue um, was that Sodom and Gomorrah were very wealthy. Right? They had so much, so much abundance um, and it was almost like I said before, that mechanism muscle of hoarding had caused them to become prideful, become uh, full of, of bread, abundance of idleness. And we see those same symptoms in our society today. Um, in essence, there's a stinginess that was prevalent in society. And I would argue that that is, generally speaking, like what, the wealthy, and what even I wrestle with is stinginess with money, stinginess with possession, time, attention, affection. And it's something to think about the fact that Jesus, who was the wealthiest of all, did not struggle with this. 
Like he didn't, he was generous. He was not stingy with his, his money. I mean, this man literally left the wealthiest throne of gold um, and jasper and rubies, like perfect heaven where he had everything and he decided to be born in a manger of all things. Like that was his first act. And he didn't decide after being in the manger to then, you know, take on a bunch of wealth and whatnot. He stayed in that position of humility um, with money, possession, time, attention, and affections. Jesus was generous with all of it. And he did not let any of it tie him down. Um, Another issue with uh, a symptom of the rich is actually the Bible says gossip, surprisingly. Um, if you'll turn First uh, Timothy 5, 9 through 13, and take a look at that. And I would say, how many of you guys say that your workplace is a very gossipy place? <laughs> like, I would be surprised to find any workplace in America that is not, like, riddled with gossip. And it's interesting that the Lord actually points that out as an issue of the wealthy and the idle. Okay. Um, let's turn to First Timothy chapter five, verse ten, and it says it actually talks about the widow. And this widow, it says that if she has, you know, walked basically and been become like Jesus in her old age, like she's faithfully stewarded everything that God's given her in her life, she'll have these characteristics. Um, it says, let's start with uh, verse ten. And having a reputation for good works, she's brought up children, shown hospitality, washed the feet of the saints, cared for the afflicted, and devoted herself to every good work. Like, that's actually, that you could describe Jesus with those same characteristics. That he himself has brought up a family for God. That he's shown hospitality. That he washed the feet of the saints. Right? He cared for the afflicted, devoted himself to every good work. And then it's interesting because then he says, don't just give free things to the young people, like the young women who are widows. <laughs> like, what, who have these characteristics, who they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. Like, it's actually a symptom of idleness that we would be busybodies and gossipers. Like, and, and what's wonderful about that, that um, reality of Jesus is that he, though he was rich, though he was wise, though he had and knew all things about everyone, he didn't gossip once. Like, he didn't carry at all this desire to show himself a little higher and step on, and make someone seem a little lower. He didn't esteem men and their opinions. Like, this is the holy hospitality of Jesus, that he was not one who was a gossiper. And honestly, gossip does kill that spirit of hospitality. Does it not? Yeah, like when we hear about someone 
and we even indulge not just in speaking, but hearing about it. The next time that person walks into the room, whether we like it or not, we have made an opinion. And whether or not we, we realize it or not, we may treat them a little differently. Maybe say a few words less. Maybe be a little more guarded in our ways. Hospitality, uh, gossip is a hospitality killer. Right? And, and a symptom of the rich. Um, one other thought, too, about... I was just thinking about this and, and laughing this morning a little bit. You know how we have names for God as Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, God our banner, God our provider, God our healer. I was like, man, God really needs another one. He needs the name of God, the God who rots things. Like, <laughs> like it, and it's actually kind of biblical. He doesn't have an official name for it. That's not biblical. But like, if you look at scripture, like God actually causes many times excess to rot. Like you see it in the Israelites with manna and quail. Um, when they were walking through the desert, God specifically gave them abundance and specifically told them, please don't take more than you need. For your family, for, don't take more. It's going to be a problem for you if you take more and if you just hoard it. And, but like, even though God himself, the pillar of fire, like the cloud by day, the fire by night, instructed them not to take more than they needed. Something about the human heart. <laughs> Something about the human heart. And they just took more and without fail every single time. And they didn't just do it once. It was like manna came every day, right? But like, it was like they couldn't learn about it. Like every time they took more, it would rot, it would stink, it would have to be something that they have to clean, they have to figure out how to dispose of. Like it became from a blessing to a curse. And I would argue that the same God who treated the Israelites that way, how is he to treat us any different with that with which we have excess and we hoard? Like maybe not today, but the truth is that all, um, the God of, of the Israelites, he may, and I, I love Becca's story, like every single time she tried to not share her berries, her strawberries, it would rot. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I just want God to give me the heart where I don't feel like he won't provide for tomorrow. Right? That I would worry about tomorrow. That I wouldn't remember all the faithfulness that he has had towards me in the past. And then I would feel some sort of need that maybe God will abandon, maybe God will forget or neglect me tomorrow. And so I got to store up as much today. And that when I see people who need uh or can use hospitality, I won't give because I'm thinking about myself having nothing tomorrow. Right. Um, James chapter 5, uh, you can go to the next slide. James chapter 5, verse 1 to 2, it says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. Those are strong words. Goodness, goodness, Jesus. <laughs> you have laid up treasures in the last day. 
Uh, I think if we walked in the reality of understanding this passage and how much our hoarding will testify even against us one of these days, everything that we looked at and we kind of like, whether we walked through our house and we just, uh, we were like Gollum, like mine. <laughs> that, that those things will testify against us in the coming of the day, that in the Lord who is just and true, who is extravagant in his giving, held nothing back to the fact of giving his own son. You can't argue with that. You can't stand before the guy who gave up not just throne, kingdom, wealth, power, and even unto his own son. And how are we going to stand before that man and say, yes, I was Gollum? <laughs> we're going to realize, really, that that's what we were. Right, in light of such extravagant generosity. Um, you know, Hudson Taylor, um, he's one of my favorites, obviously because he brought the gospel to China, and I think my family and I wouldn't be Christians without his influence in our nation. Um, but part of the problem it, for a long time in China was that um, the gospel couldn't go forth and wouldn't go forth because there weren't enough missionaries who were willing to give up the luxurious life in Europe. Um, and if they were willing to go, they were only willing to go to the big cities where there were some rich people that they could live with, that they could eat fine dining, that they could do whatnot. But Hudson Taylor was one of the first who... Um, went inland. And what I mean by inland is means there's no toilets. <laughs> there's like, you know, you sleep on the ground. Like, um, you're probably going to get, you know, not real good food. Like, you know, who knows what the Chinese people are eating. I mean, you think we're eating crazy now. What they ate back then, right? <laughs> like, so, like going inland, Hudson... <laughs> I just have to be real with that. But, you know, like Hudson Taylor... Like, he was a young man in his 20s, and he went around Europe to the wealthy Europeans of the time, their sons and their daughters, and he said this. He said this, that Christ is, China is not to be won for Christ by quiet, ease-loving men and women. The stamp of men and women we need is such as will put Jesus, China, souls first and foremost in everything and at every time, even life itself must be secondary. And there was such a move of the Holy Spirit that somehow all these young men and women who are used to tea time and fine cups and dining, all of a sudden like stood up by the move of the Holy Spirit and forsook it all, turned it in, like got launched to the other side of the world and found themselves, you know, squatting in the ground like in a ditch, like to use the restroom, found themselves shaving their beautiful locks of hair and the things and the fine clothing that they have, taking off, wearing the Chinese people's clothes, shaving their heads to match the locals. And like, they, like, I, I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful that wealth was not a hindrance to these young men and women because of the number of souls that were saved through them. And even my own life, you know, giving credit to those young men and women in their 20s. So looking that, oops, 
I gotta make sure. Oh no. <laughs> okay. Uh, next slide. Uh, that was just the outside, the inside. <laughs> I just want us to really quickly go through that, that God talks about this, the deceitfulness of wealth. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't have it, but we're recognizing, guarding our hearts, that there's a deceitfulness in it. And it's the false promise of security is the first one. Um, Proverbs 18, 11 says, The rich think that their wealth is a sturdy fortress. They imagine it to be an invincible wall of security. But we know the story in Luke 12 of the rich man who hoarded everything. And he said, now I'm going to live a life of luxury. And God looks at him and says, you fool. (laughs) Like tonight, tonight your life's going to be demanded from you. And now who's going to enjoy your wealth? Right? What the wealthy man didn't realize is that he put his security in wealth, but he should have put it in being wealthy towards the Lord. And that's actually what the scripture says. Um, at the end, Jesus says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself is not rich towards God. Our security is in our wealth before God, being rich towards God. Um, it was actually Jesus felt the same way. Like, it's not coincidence that right before he washed his disciples' feet, that there was a little, like, note about Jesus' heart posture right before he washed it. It said that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, then he washed his disciples' feet. It wasn't like, and then Jesus knew that he had this or that or that, but actually knowing that God has given him wealth, eternal, then he was able to wash his disciples' feet. So false prophet promise of security, false promise of comfort. Like you would think like, at least if you're wealthy, you'll be comfortable, right? And (laughs) that is no promise, no guarantee that if we are wealthy, that we will be comfortable. It says in Timothy 6, 9 through 10, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare. Like God actually calls it a trap. It's a trap assumption that you're going to be comfortable into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered far away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Um, some of you guys know this story, but actually there was one time, um, uh, maybe actually a couple years before my dad passed, one year or so before my dad passed, I think, that Joseph, my my brother, actually got angry at my dad a little bit. And I know, you guys are like, just angry? Never. Like, yes, he does. Sometimes. Um, But one time he was upset with my dad because he realized that my dad didn't have all these, like, uh, like retirement things. Like, um, I don't don't know exactly, like, what Joseph was looking for, but he was a finance major. (laughs) And he was like, wait, dad, you haven't invested in this or that or that, like everything that OSU's finance business department taught him that you need to do in order to be financially secure for the rest of your days, and this is why wisdom with money, my dad did none of it, right? And Joseph was horrified. And like, <laughs> and instead, Joseph saw that my dad was putting all this money in building this house, right? And Joseph was a little bit upset. Like how, like, uh, my dad doesn't understand finances, da, da, And Joseph, after my dad passed that, like, he's like, man, like, what if my dad had listened to me? Praise God, he did not. 
Like, he was going to pass, like, a year or two after. Like, he could enjoy none of it, but he had invested all of it in something that is eternal, that will continue, that will produce children who love the Lord. Like, Joseph realized, like, that having that money is not a promise of comfort. Having that money is no promise of security. But the main promise of security comes from being wealthy in God. Um, I'll just end with this story. Oh, man, there's, like, I'm, I, like, only went through, like, 30% of my sermon. But... <laughs> Uh, I was going to talk a lot more about Jesus, uh, but maybe next week. But um, <laughs> I wanted to to tell you guys something um, that really, like, even in the past couple couple months, just as we've been hosting here, I, I'm so thankful that people have constantly been telling us that we are such a generous um, spiritual family, and I, I appreciate that. I really do. Um, like, but I I want to give a reality check <laughs> to to what we're what we are in comparison to what God may call hospitality and um, I, I want to say like just a short story is when my mom and I and Joseph one time went traveling to China to do missions on the western side of China which is one of the poorest sides of China like we were taken up the mountain and um, it was like a mud hut, and we went to sleep in this mud hut in this one bed that they had in there. I wake up the next morning, and there's this family running around outside, and I was like, oh, where did they come from? And then I find out that that mud hut was their home, right? And that bed was their only bed. And I was like, well, where did you guys stay? And I found out that that night they had stayed in the pig's pen, and they looked super happy about it, super honored to do it. I mean, like, this, is, this was not extravagant hospitality in their mind. This was something that they do normally. Like, I mean, yeah, we have a guest house that we kind of made nice. And, but, like, this level of hospitality is if I told Becca, Cindy, and, and Daniel, hey, guys, there's a family coming in. We're going to go sleep in the the dog's <laughs> pin with Shalom and Seema. And that would still be a level better like, than what they did for us, right? And of course, in America, and of course, in my heart, I'm like, oh my gosh, what extravagant hospitality. But what if, what if that is normal hospitality in, around the world and we just don't know it? Because we thought that our box of chocolates was extravagant, you know, <laughs> generosity and hospitality. Um, in that same trip, my mom and I went to, um, we got received by this poor man in China who's, who was the trash collector of the city. And he took us to his dumpster home. Like literally it was a dumpster home. Like if you imagine mountains of trash, like everywhere, that he, like he and others have collected and dumped, there's a little broken down hut in the midst of it. I mean, it smelled like it was a dumpster. It looked like it was a dumpster. And we went in there, and he received us, and we sat in there, and this guy pulled out chicken. And it was a normal chicken, like, in my mind. Like, even, you know, um, I would say Costco was better. 
But um, like we were eating this chicken, we we're like, cool chicken. But then I noticed like their kids were peeking around the corner and looking at us like um, Shalom and Simha look when they want a treat, <laughs> you know, like just with those big eyes. And I realized, because someone told me that these kids, they maybe have chicken once every two years. And, the f- and I realized across the table, it wasn't really a table, it was like a chair with something that looked like a table, that the parents were eating um, chicken butt, the butt of the chicken, that normally, like, in America, you wouldn't even allow anyone to eat. Like, and when I realized that, uh, like, I was like, wait, like, their best meal that they only eat once, they, they don't know me from Adam. They just know I'm here on missions. And they've received me like I was Jesus, giving the best. As Christ said, like, when we receive, like, like those who are hungry, those who are thirsty, those who need clothes, like that we're receiving it, doing to him as we do to his body. And the last, the blowing thing, and I don't know if I'll communicate this well, but I hope I do, is that um, in China, like typically if you try to buy a ticket and you're not from China, they'll try to swindle you, right? And so my mom asked uh, the guy from the dumpster to help buy a ticket um, and then... Like, that way we wouldn't get swindled. And he brought the ticket to us. And then my mom gave him the money and he wouldn't take it. Right? And then my mom did, like, just kept pressing it towards him and he kept pressing it back. And, like, uh, but this ticket is worth, like, anywhere between three months to six months of this guy's income. Right? And my mom tried to stuff it in his pocket. Right? And, and the most unexpected thing happened. This man started to cry. Like, he started to cry because he was, he was so, like, he was like, the reason why you won't accept it is because I'm poor, but I really, really, like, want this honor of, of giving you this. Like, won't you please receive it? And he cried so hard. I mean, he cried, like, I, I've never seen a grown man cry like that. And I realized just how non-hospitable <laughs> I am. How non-hospitable I am. Like, I think... Um, so much of myself. I don't, I don't even understand the, the extravagance to which this man wanted to host saints worthy. Like Rebecca was saying in the last few weeks, host them um, as truly the body of Christ. Right? And like, I, I'm, again, I'm thankful that people say we're generous, but there's such a higher bar. <laughs> there's such a higher bar out there for us to, to look at that is more aligned, I think, um, with extravagant heart of giving, that is Jesus Christ. And like, my point isn't to guilt trip anyone here or to say we're not giving enough or like da 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 da. My point is just to behold the generosity of Jesus, to behold how, how beautiful is his hospitality for us, and even to marvel at the way that it's been depicted in even the poor in the world. And, and may, it, may the Holy Spirit like, convict each one of us to stretch ourselves in hospitality that wealth would never be a hindrance in any sort of way as we behold the God who gave it all. So, all right, let's pray.